Hello, teacher friends. Welcome to episode number 71 of the Beyond Measure podcast. This is me, Christina Whitlock, here to hang with you on your own schedule as your anytime piano teacher friend. It is officially springtime here in the States anyway, which means none of us are currently short on goals that we hope to accomplish and expectations we are trying to meet. (laughs) It reminds me of a joke that I recently posted on Instagram. Are you ready for a good one? Here it goes. (laughs) A perfectionist walks into a bar. Apparently, it wasn't set high enough. (laughs) I mean, how many of us can relate to the whole perfectionist concept, right? (laughs) Well, similarly, today, I want to talk a little bit about disappointment. I know, so uplifting of me, right? (laughs) But musician life and music teacher life is full of occasional disappointments, And I think it's time we talk about them. I should say that, of course, there are all kinds of external factors that can lead us to feel disappointment. So, you know, someone lets you down. Life throws you a curveball. You know, whatever. But there is a very specific set of emotions that hits us when we disappoint ourselves. And that is what we're talking about today. Here's a scenario that many of you know all too well. So I'm thinking of a student of mine. She's super precious. She's 12 years old. And two weeks ago, she was selected to play in a judge's choice recital. And she has participated in the adjoining event to this recital seven times. And this was the first time that she got selected for the Judge's Choice recital. This was a big deal. It was so exciting. (laughs) She was playing this piece by Kevin Olson titled Bonsai Tree. And as you would expect from that title, this is a beautiful piece of music with lots of pedal and interesting harmonies, like unresolved suspensions, lots of fermatas, You know, you get the picture. So the sweet girl sits down to play. She begins beautifully, uh, but she ended up having some memory trouble in her performance. And I will say this is a piece that hides memory slips pretty easily. So it wasn't all that apparent to the audience. She's a pro and she kept going. And all in all, I would still call her performance a success. Well, Fast forward to the end of the recital, and I went to give her this big hug in the lobby, and she turned around, and I realized that her eyes were just welled up with tears. She just wrapped her arms around me, and she said, that was a complete disaster. I am so embarrassed. Now, this is normally such like a happy-go-lucky kiddo, (laughs) and of course, it just broke my heart to see those puddles of tears just streaming down her face. This, I think, is one of the toughest moments as a teacher, or a parent, 
for that matter, by the way. (laughs) But from my perspective, it was certainly not a complete disaster by any means. And of course, when we watch our students play, we see them through like teacher colored glasses, right? (laughs) So my absolute pride in her for all the work she's put into this piece tends to, I don't know, maybe rosy up my perspective on her playing. And to top it off, my Enneagram 2 self seeks to keep anyone around me happy and comfortable at all times. So when I see a student really disappointed in herself, it typically sends me very quickly into like crisis aversion mode and everything inside of me wants to just meet that teary-eyed girl with proclamations of, what are you talking about? It was amazing. But here's the thing. We both knew it was not amazing. It was most definitely not the performance that either of us wanted her to have. And she's 12, she's intelligent, and she's talented. And even though it was also not as terrible as she was envisioning in that moment, trying to convince her that it was anything short of disappointing was just not the move to make at that time. Listen, I have handled this situation very wrong in the past. (laughs) My past self is very guilty of trying to convince students that their performances were better than either of us knew they really were. And, you know, I mean, that comes from a great place. (laughs) I am so proud of my students when they fight through a struggle on stage and they find a way to the end. I mean, that is so hard to do. You know it is. But I have become very aware in the last, oh, I don't know, decade or so, I've become aware how harmful it is to dismiss a student's feelings. In this case, with this student, if I tried to dismiss her disappointment, it would not make her feel any better. In fact, it would probably just make her think that she couldn't trust me and my feedback. You know how kids will sometimes make comments to their parents like, Oh, you have to think I did a good job because you're my mom. (laughs) Well, teacher relationship is different. We need our students to know that they can trust us for honest feedback. Now, of course, there's an art to providing honest feedback in a loving way, (laughs) of course. (laughs) There's also an art to understanding when to dole out that honesty, am I right? (laughs) So, what did I say to this precious girl who was busting my heart into a million pieces as she sat there in her disappointment after this performance? Well, first of all, I just hugged her. (laughs) I didn't even say anything at first. Then I told her, all right, let's take a deep breath. (laughs) And she obliged. Then she turned her face to look at me. And all of a sudden, I was hyper aware of the fact that she was desperately looking to me for something wise in that moment. (laughs) And I got nervous. Again, everything inside of me wants to ignore that trouble and just say, oh, you were fantastic, and pretend we didn't have anything harder to deal with. (laughs) But 
Instead, I told her, first of all, I am not going to tell you not to feel disappointed because I used to hate it when people would tell me that after I fell short of my own expectations. In fact, I still hate it today. I told her how I had been in her shoes so many times and I knew how awful it was to feel that way on stage. She agreed, and her tears gradually started to dry up a little bit. I also told her that thanks to her beautiful musicality and the nature of the piece, that I could promise her with 100% honesty that her mistakes were not as evident to the audience, and she did not have anything to be embarrassed about. Because being disappointed is not the same thing as being embarrassed, right? (laughs) And I don't know if you can remember being 12, but being embarrassed is pretty much the worst possible scenario. Young people generally handle disappointment way better than embarrassment. I acknowledged that, yeah, the performance wasn't what we wanted it to be, But I told her again and again how proud of her I was for moving through her mistakes and maintaining her composure all the way to the end. We also talked about how the work that we do prior to a performance is really what counts the most. That's what we can take pride in, is showing up and doing the work. And I'm telling you, this girl had done the work. And within five minutes, she was smiling again. So please know that I don't say any of this to claim that I handled the situation perfectly or that I think I know the exact right things to say in any of these potentially awkward situations, because that's just not true. But I do think that there were several key things that I said and did in this situation that really helped. First of all, I didn't tell her how to feel or try to convince her that a lackluster performance was actually amazing. (laughs) Two, I reassured her that she should not feel embarrassed. Three, I reiterated over and over again that my pride in her was completely untouched because it was her hard work ahead of the event that really means something. So, There's an example of me giving some somewhat decent advice, talking a student out of her disappointment. So now let me share some great advice I recently got when I was working through some of my own discouragement. I'd actually told myself I was not going to talk about this on the podcast, but it just kind of fits. So here we go. Uh, I will tell you this. This episode that you're listening to right now is releasing during the 2022 MTNA National Conference. Uh, If you don't know, that conference was originally scheduled to take place in Minneapolis, but they ended up moving it to a virtual-only event, like in, I think, late January. So I was on the schedule to present a session about anxiety in our studios. It was looking at both anxious students and their anxious teachers, which, for the record, is a topic I could speak about all day. (laughs) The problem is, 
with the event making a quick pivot to an online-only conference, I knew that I really didn't have the time in my schedule to make a pre-recorded session I would be proud of. Listen, asking a perfectionist to record a one-hour session is such a tall order. (laughs) Anyway, I wasn't going to record it. But then I kind of ended up feeling compelled out of my great love for the MTNA organization. (laughs) I owe them so much. So I thought, I'll put together this recording anyway. So I recorded my session on a way too tight timeline and I submitted it very close to the deadline. (laughs) And, oh, friends, I have felt sick to my stomach ever since I submitted it, like from the time I clicked submit to this very moment. Anytime I think about it, I am just filled with disappointment. It's just not my best work. (laughs) It's okay. I mean, I'm sure it's fine. I don't know. It airs during the conference on Sunday, So, fun fact, by the time you find yourself listening to this episode, it will have already launched into the world. (laughs) I am honestly just really disappointed that I didn't put my best foot forward on this one. And please know that I am not trying to throw myself a pity party by bringing this up, (laughs) but I wanted to share something interesting that happened. So, shortly after submitting that recording... I was sulking, and I texted my pal, Jana Williamson, and I told her how disappointed I was in myself and my end result. And if, by the way, if you don't know Jana Williamson, you totally should. She has a terrific YouTube channel, and in general, she's just a platinum star human being. (laughs) But anyway, she immediately, like I mean at the drop of a hat, shot me back a few thoughts that I thought were really good. So first of all, She reminded me that my standards for myself have probably gone up since I have been hosting this podcast now for well over a year. And second, she told me that my emotions were way too tied up in this whole thing, and there was pretty much no way to be a good judge on the matter at this point. (laughs) I've thought about those words from her so many times since she texted them to me, because I think they were just pretty much as great of responses as anyone could have given me at that time. Notice, again, she didn't tell me not to feel my feelings. There was no, oh, stop it, it was awesome and you know it. None of that kind of talk. She didn't dismiss my emotions in any way. But she did speak two points of truth that you and I both know very well. First of all, She said that our standards for ourselves keep rising the more we do what we do. It's that truth of musician life, that the more you know, the more aware you are of how much you don't know, right? Or, being more specific, the further advanced we get on our instruments, the more scrupulously we listen to what we are doing, the more we question our interpretations and our phrasing and our style, And, of course, the same is true in any endeavor, like speaking. (laughs) Our standards get higher the more we pay attention to them. So, when we find ourselves disappointed with something we care about, 
it generally is just a reflection of how much we respect the endeavor and how complex we acknowledge it to be. Secondly, Jana reminded me that we are never impartial judges, especially of our own work. Again, I do know I could have done better. That is very true. So some of the disappointment I feel in myself is, I don't know, somewhat justified. However, am I capable of knowing how the material is going to be received by other people? (laughs) No, not in the slightest. (laughs) So I'm recording this episode on Friday. The session airs on Sunday afternoon, and this episode releases on Monday morning. (laughs) So it was probably silly of me to talk about this without being able to give you the full story. (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) But I will be sure to let you know if my fellow MTNA attendees eat me alive in the chat while my session is airing, all right? (laughs) As a quick summary, I suppose there are just a few takeaways that I hope you leave with today. One, that we all feel disappointed in ourselves from time to time. (laughs) Two, that we should never tell people, especially our students, not to feel their feelings. Three, that many times our disappointment comes from our evolving standards, which is a testament to our growth as artists. And number four, in the end, we are just too close to our work, emotionally speaking. Thanks to Jana Williamson for helping me put those truths into words, and I hope the reality of her words helps you put your own feelings of disappointment in perspective. So, before we go, let's have a quick toast, shall we? (laughs) Music teacher friends of the world! Today, this is me offering up one big collective hug. (laughs) We are all hard on ourselves. I have said it before, the catch-22 of being a musician is we often achieve what we do because we have very high standards for ourselves. (laughs) And yet, it often makes it difficult for us to enjoy what we're doing because we are constantly chasing that endless notion of being better. (laughs) So it's inevitable, sometimes we will disappoint ourselves. Performances are not going to go our way every time, And committing to too many things will sacrifice the quality of what we do. I am all for us moving past our relentless pursuits of perfection. (laughs) That is a moving target that we just cannot catch. But at the same time, there is no avoiding that occasional feeling of disappointment. My hope is that we can learn from those experiences, use them as exercises in empathy building, (laughs) and push through them to do even better things. So, with that in mind, cheers to you, my very human music teacher friends. (laughs) Hear, hear. Well, that is episode 71 for you. (laughs) I wish I had a cure-all solution for feeling disappointed in ourselves, 
but I don't think such a thing exists. I do know the feeling is actually a pretty necessary part of life. And if we lean into it and ask it what it has to teach us, that there will always be something to learn. For my 12-year-old student, she learned that she has a safe place to fall, that she is surrounded by people who love her and are genuinely impressed with what she can do. For me... I'm reminded, once again, that this propensity I have to overcommit myself does not yield the results that I want it to. (laughs) There's a whole episode on that, by the way. It's episode 63, titled, Cheers to Recurring Life Lessons. I will leave you with some fun news. I will be hanging at Amy Chaplin's house for the duration of the MTNA virtual conference. Amy blogs and podcasts over on pianopantry.com. And Joy Morin from Color in My Piano is joining us, as is the aforementioned Jana Williamson. (laughs) I am so excited. Virtual conferencing with friends is so the way to go. So be sure to follow us all on Instagram because I'm sure we'll be highlighting some of our adventures there. On that positive note, I wish you well, friends. Onward and upwards towards your next adventure.